power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. Legendary films and TV shows. Or just pure shit. The legendary host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. Sovereign at the movies. The man of tomorrow, the Golden Stallion, Savzu, the rated R radio star. And, you know, for this fun little episode, I have uh, I have been joined by none other than the incomparable, the inimitable. What other adjectives could we use? The, the Beautiful, the, brilliant, be- genius. Oh, you are all of those. <laughs> the goddess of love and logic. <laughs> That's for sure. Ellen Sovereign, welcome back to Sovereign Tech. What he's not telling you is that we're actually joined at the hip now. Yeah, we are. Yes. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> I, I've, I've always teased. I said, at some point, we'll tell that story. But, you know, I always reference you as Mrs. Sovereign, of course. Anatomically, we're the same person. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> what incredible traps you have. No. <laughs> uh, yes. <Thank> so. you. <laughs> um, well, we've got a... We, you know, this was a question that came into the Sovereign Tech Telegram group that uh, that inspired this episode. Uh, and I thought, I was like, boy, it just, it'd be phenomenal to have Ellen on to talk about this. Um, and, well, also, actually, it's the 55th anniversary of what we are going to talk about. Um, I don't know. Do, do we want to do an update on, on how things are going for you? I mean, you haven't been on in a little while. What a teaser. Wow, you're not even going to tell us? No, I didn't even say. They'll see it what, in, in What the, happened in the Telegram group? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, they'll, they'll, they'll see it in the uh, in the podcast title. Oh, I can't so, wait to find out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we can do an update. Yeah. What so, do you want to know? Well, how are things going? How, how's how's life in the, in the uh, well, is it even post-pandemic? I mean, just how are things going? I'd say the pandemic is still in full swing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, because we, you know, we're anatomically the same person. <laughs> Well, we've been living together and, you know. Yes. It's, uh, you know, it, things are good. I mean, for us, the world didn't change that much. No. Because you work from home anyway. And, right. Um, I mean, now I do go out to work. And from there, I've noticed, like, you know, for a while, everyone was required to wear masks. And then mm-hmm. vaccinated people could take them off. And now it's back to where everyone has to wear masks. Yeah. 
Um, so that's why I'm saying I don't think the pandemic's really over. It's still... Still I feels... Think the popular perception is, uh, you know, everyone's afraid. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're going to catch it and die, or worse yet, you know, yeah. give it to somebody that they love. So uh, there's still a lot of fear in the world, and... Well, and now and, people are admitting that, like, breakthrough cases are a thing, you know, where you could be fully vaccinated, fully, fully vaccinated, and still contract COVID and still die from it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that's the, I think that's the term they're using now is breakthrough cases. So... Anyway, yeah, people, you know, this is something that they, they, they feel is still very much going on. Uh, continue. Yeah. Um, I mean, it hasn't affected our lives at all. It, right. I mean, neither of us have had COVID so far. Yep. Um, I don't even know if it's anything that we necessarily have to be concerned about. Right. But then again, you never know. Um, we're still, like, being safe, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're still staying as healthy as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Best thing anyone can do is just stay as healthy as possible. So, yeah. yeah. So you're, but you're, you're doing good. Things are, you know, I mean, busy, right? I mean, you work some pretty insane schedules sometimes, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would like to have more fun in life, you know. Yeah, I'd like sure. To have more time to like read or, or you know, do any of my other crazy hobbies mm-hmm. that like <laughs> I'll just pick up for a month, and then once I accomplish what I feel like needs to be done, I'll move on to the new hobby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and maybe I'll come around to it eventually. But there's just so many things in life that I want to explore. And I've heard other people say like, "Oh, if I didn't have a job, I'd be so bored. I wouldn't know what to do with myself." But I feel the total opposite. Oh, I can't like, grasp that. Please free me. Yeah, take me away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We we think about it all the time, just running away from oh, it all, God. you know, and going off to the woods. Yeah, and there's so much that I want to do even there in the woods. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, something we do uh, uh, get in that we do, you know, fun we still get to have, um, at least, you know, days when we're, you know, at home together or whatever, you know, throughout the day, having lunch together. Because, I mean, you work hours where basically you eat all your meals at work, you yeah. know. Um, but we'll often... You know, during lunch, we could sit down and, you know, we'll, we'll watch a, a little TV. Um, of course, we don't watch anything live. You know, we don't watch anything that's, like, on TV. No, it, you pull something out of your massive Blu-ray collection. Oh, my, my, my massive Blu-ray collection. I was like, wait, <laughs> I pulled my massive what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't eat lunch while doing that. Right, right. That would turn into a George Costanza situation. Yeah, okay, so, <laughs> yeah, so we're not going to do that. But... <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, but well, you know, lately we've been sitting down and we watched some Star Trek, you know, uh, we've actually been doing a complete rewatch, uh, of the next generation as late and, you know, it's important to bring up. So that's what this episode's going to be about, uh, is Star Trek. So it is the 55th anniversary of Star Trek, um, as of last week of this recording and we're in September of 2021. Um, and you know, where they want to pick that date, I mean... I don't know. People can choose these dates wherever they want, right? It, it seems like I was curious about that. Like, when is actually the birth of Star Trek? Was it when, when it was conceived, or when it was first filmed, or when the first episode was released? Well, right. See, like that's because even you know there was an episode of Star Trek: The Cage, which was the pilot that failed, that was done years before um, Star Trek even got on the air. 
you know? And so like, well, wait, so did it start in 64 or did it start in 65? Like, like in 66, like when, when did this start? Right. So that's, there's always some, some room for that, but it seems like speaking of the pandemic, a lot of people right now are wanting to celebrate these anniversaries as much as they can. And partly I think that's to be able to re-release things, you know, um, uh, or, or to, I don't know, just like look at the past instead of having to develop something for the future. Uh, at the moment. You know, I'm feeling the urge to celebrate this as much as possible, too. We should be wearing our Star Trek outfits right now. We should be. Oh. While we're recording this. Fuck, you look so good. Yeah. Uh, you, you need your Captain Kirk shirt. Yep. Yeah. And I've got my science officer dress. Original series science officer <laughs> dress. Yeah. Oh, man. If, that would really put us in the spirit. If there, you know, <laughs> it's, it's awfully tempting. <laughs> We'd have to pause it and go put these on. Well, let's do it. All right, all right. We're going to do it. We're going to pause it, and then through the magic of podcasting, we will be right back. (laughs) And we are back. Uh, (laughs) Beamed right in. (laughs) (laughs) And now you are wearing... I don't know how we're going to handle this. I mean, you know, not that anybody can see us. Uh, but now you are looking rather fetching in a original series uh, uh, blue, you know, science uniform. Thank you. Um, which uh, I may have acquired for you some years ago. But <laughs> and yeah, and you've got all four pips in your your captain's uniform. Yeah. So I am wearing, um, I'm wearing a a like I I, I tailored this myself. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah, it's a little rough. Um, I am wearing a next generation uniform, a command uniform, so it's red, but uh, like the Mirror Universe Picard, I, I cut off the sleeves, um, which they actually have a new, it's called Mirror War. It's a new, um, they, the, IDW has done a great job with Star Trek comics in general, and they've continued the trend of this Mirror Star Trek Next Generation that they've created. Um, and it's awesome. And that, that actually just came back. People should check that out. I think issue zero just came out last week. But anyway. Um, yeah, so, so I, I have, uh, I, you know, sun's out, guns out here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was tempted to put on my, my gold uniform. I have a gold Captain Kirk uniform and we also both have, we have the black uniforms from, oh, yes. uh, from Into Darkness, from Star Trek Into Darkness, which is the, the Kelvin timeline. Um, which, yeah, well, anyway, you know, if you want to see what this uniform that I'm wearing look like, like, well, no, there isn't one. You've kind of spliced together two separate Star Trek universes. Kind of. Well, the thing is, is so, well, but I did, I did have, what I was going to bring up is I, I, I did share pictures of me wearing this and, you know, flexing or whatever. And, that, and I think that was on Instagram, but good luck ever finding that because that's, that, that Instagram account's been long deleted. Um, you don't have an Instagram account either, do you? Like, no, I deleted mine a couple years ago too. Do you ever think about getting back on it? Why would I? <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of pictures of things mm-hmm. that I would love to see. And I know to some extent, some people even use it as social media, like as a way to meet people. Yeah. Um, but I don't have any need for that. I don't have any des- desire for that, especially under the conditions that you have to agree to in order to be on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, so I just prefer to not use it. Well, and again, now, I mean... I'm hearing about police agencies that can just like randomly check your social media accounts um, for, well, I don't know, whatever they're looking for, whether it's, uh, 
it's any form of extremism, I suppose. And that today can take shape of, you know, being someone that doesn't want to get a vaccine, someone that doesn't want, you know, whatever the whatever way that you're bucking the modern trend, you know, I mean, they, they want to check for it. Um, I mean, there's times where I'm thinking like, eh, you know, but not really. I mean, because so like the nasty part is, you know, Twitter just breeds like just terribleness. Like everybody's just horrible on there. Everything's just terrible. You know, Facebook, I don't even know. Do, do people even still are like, do they still spend time on Facebook? Yeah, I believe they do. Um, but the reason that I don't use that or Instagram or anything else really, and it's like the worst thing hmm. uh, because it's not even something that you might be doing, but a lot of, uh, I mean, so in the past we've had connections with people who would be considered who could be considered activists. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing is, sometimes, you know, they can be pressured or they can be charged with things. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if you're not involved at all, still being connected with them in a public place like that can lead to certain negative consequences for you. Sure, absolutely. Um, so that's what I mean. Like, you don't even necessarily have to do anything wrong. Just the fact that you're connected by, like, one or two degrees to certain individuals could make you, um, you know, like, politically or legally at risk. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like I feel like a lot of people, like, Instagram is, is like, they'll, they'll stay on there. And I, I guess I could kind of get it. Like, I remember when being on it, like there did seem to be quite a bit of like positivity in comparison to what I think is on everything else. Partly that's because more or less the only thing you can share are pictures, you know? Right. And, and so I, like, I can understand that, but yeah, I don't, I don't really feel that need either. Um, in fact, it's funny. I was, I was in a meeting earlier and the, the people were, they were talking about TikTok. Now I've never bothered with TikTok. Yeah, no. And I'm, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I like the idea of, you know, never saying never, but I'm, I'm really confident I can say never going to be on TikTok. Uh, so, um, but they were talking about how, okay, you know, on every other platform, the algorithms like suck and, and they always fail at what they're feeding you. Uh, but they're saying, oh, no, no, no. The algorithms on TikTok, they really know how to get you really well. And I wonder what the, what the secret sauce is there. Um, but I don't care enough you know, to make an account, that's for damn sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I was going to say something about the company itself, but I think maybe, like, it's just gotten to the point where they've collected enough information on everyone where, you know, they've had practice. They've had over a decade of practice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, that, that's that's got to be what's happened is just they've put all this together. Um, but anyway, so enough of all that with social media. Uh, but something I, I want to get into, you know, uh, so, well, again, unfortunately, I mean, the best thing that might happen is maybe I'd share a picture of you and I in a telegram group or something. Maybe, 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 <laughs> but that's just a maybe. Um, but, uh, anyway, I actually, the episode we're doing right now, again, did get inspired by a question asked by a phenomenal listener. And he actually had great suggestions for this. Um, but it has to do with, okay, let's say you're new to Star Trek. And, you know, speaking of, I mean, we were already just just describing, I think, some dystopia just with social media alone. Um, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's times like now, I mean, both the dystopia, social media, you know, concepts around the pandemic, other things where, wow, some positivity like what Star Trek brings to fore is more important than ever, I think. And I think it can be helpful to like, you know, when you watch Star Trek, you can just be like, yeah, all right. And this is always Gene Roddenberry's dream with Star Trek was that you get to, you know, we get to a point where we've made it, like we've gotten past the 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 i don't know whatever the 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 demons of our nature you know and and we're actually like we have become a very positive forward-looking uh species and i think that's a helpful thing um you know to to take in right now instead of perhaps i mean it's important to know what's going on but instead of like the doom and gloom or the constant dystopia i mean we already live in a dystopia you don't need to watch dystopian fiction you know to like to what bolster that you know concept um but but I'll, I'll read this question in a, in a minute, but I want to ask, let, let me ask you, Ellen, first. Like, what got you to watch Star Trek? And, well, let, let's, let's answer that first, then we'll get to the second question. So, like, what, what got you to watch Star Trek? Did you watch it as a kid? Like, how did this happen? Well, I think everybody knows that you grew up with Star Trek. I did, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it influenced you from a very young age. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was a very different story. I never watched Star Trek growing up. I never even knew what it was about mm-hmm. until I, it was after I moved to New Hampshire, after I was already a full blown adult. Um, <laughs> I think I was maybe 20 years old. So like not legal drinking age yet, but, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was mostly developed. I was still at a little more brain development to go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I just remember at that time in my life, um, you know, I was like, I was listening to your podcast. Mm-hmm. I was getting really involved in the Liberty Movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was living up north in New Hampshire in a place that's very far off the main drive. It's, um, you know, tucked away in the woods. There, sure. there were no friends around for like a mile or, well, for an hour in any direction. Right. Like much of New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on where you're at. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of action that's in, like, the south-central area of that's New true. Hampshire. But yeah. up north, everything is much more spread out. It's much more woodsy and right. quiet, which does have its advantages. But at the time, I was living with someone who uh, was going on business trips a lot. So I was home by myself for, like, days at a time. And I was working at a job that was really emotionally demanding. Mm-hmm. Um and it was it was just like a lot for me to handle. So yeah. I think at that time in my life, I started really feeling the need to uh, like discover some source of because I already had podcasts, I had plenty of those, but I wanted to have something that was more interactive, mm-hmm. you know, like more engaging with my senses. Sure. Um, something that had video. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because I couldn't have actual friends to my house, you know. Right. Um, right. I didn't have anyone that was with me like throughout the day, so um, it was kind of a way for me to have friends without having them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah. I started watching Star Trek the original series. So is that that's what you started with? Yeah. Was the original series? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. All right, continue. Um, and I I just fell in love with it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just felt so natural and um it I really did feel like, you know, this is 
this is what I want to be. You know, this is the world that I want to live in. Yeah. Um, yeah, just it grew on me. And I ended up, you know, watching basically every series after mm. that. Um, some of them I've only seen once. <laughs> yeah. And we've, we've watched the original series and The Next Generation over again. And we so, did watch Enterprise. And, well, Enterprise is one that I have only seen once. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. But those those are the only two series that I watched twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, these things aren't ingrained in me as if I had been watching them growing up. Right. You know? But as an adult, they really have helped me to feel like there is a world where, you know, somebody who's like intelligent and caring could really fit in because it doesn't feel like that in the normal world most of the time especially right now people are so damaged and that's the only way you can connect with people yes you know by sharing the hurt parts of yourself sometimes yeah yeah um which is really tragic but i don't i don't want to live that life you know i want to live a life where like we're beyond those things we're ready to explore not just what's outside but what's inside ourselves yeah um so i i felt i found that in with star, star trek. trek like that yeah yeah absolutely and i think it's so rare in that in that it does display like kind of that positivity and that growth in humanity you know um i guess my, my second question is that if you if someone was to ask you why should they watch star trek and we've gotten this question before like i mean in real life you know um if if someone you know if you if they're asking you or why should I watch it do you, do you think you know what you'd say to them? I think my first answer would be because it can expand your idea of what is possible in the universe. Mm, mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of creative writing in in the Star Trek series. Yes. Uh, but also, I think it really tries to focus on like the best parts of humanity and how we can find, you know, the third option. It's not always like black or white. There's, right. There is another alternative. There's always a third way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. No, that's, I, I think that's a that's a fine answer. Because, I mean, how many, really, how many shows can you even say that about? You know, that that's, that's what this presents. That's what this is, this engages. You know, like that's the part of your mentality or part of your life that it engages. Um, I think, I can't, I don't know. I don't think I can think of another show that that does anything like that. I mean, I can think of other po- shows that are like kind of positive, you know, and they're not all dreary. But then they're often, you know, I don't. I wouldn't call them simple action, but they're more action oriented. Where Star Trek is not so much action oriented. There's plenty of action when it's needed, but there's also plenty of times where the highest drama is, you know, people walking down a, a hallway on the starship. You know what I mean? <laughs> which is hard to imagine as well. Yeah, and it's so different, too, from other television in that it doesn't focus on, like, what could be your real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's more so, you know, it kind of is a fantasy in yes. that it happens in the future. Uh, but there's the dialogue in it, I feel like it's really intelligent, uh, you know, both emotionally and uh, scientifically. Sure. Um, and that really separates it from other television yeah i agree with that um outside of like some show out of britain maybe you know or, or maybe babylon 5 babylon 5 right or, yeah yeah that has really yeah 
Anyway, we don't need to get stuck on Babylon 5. Because <laughs> that's the only thing I consider better than Star Trek, personally. Like, that, that's the only thing I, yeah. I hold it at higher. Um, you, you agree with that? I have said it before. <laughs> I feel really reluctant saying it, you know, wearing the Star Trek uniform. <laughs> I know it's going to, like, burn off of you or something, and you'll be left <laughs> naked. Or well, Sorry, uh, continue. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, so we won't get into Babylon 5 here. Um, but... Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I could even really add anything to to what you said as far as, I mean, yeah, me, like, I grew up with it. It was just, it was just a part of my childhood programming. Um, and I don't mean just, like, television programming. I mean, like, mental programming. <laughs> um, so I won't go down that road. I mean, and, and there's plenty of people, certainly, I think, that, that have similar experiences where it's just always been a part of their life because it was such a cultural icon um, and just everywhere, you know, uh, even long after it had or the original series, at least, had even aired. Um, as far as why I would tell somebody to watch it. I mean, frankly, I like I, that, that's where I don't know that I have anything to add, but I'll admit a part of me, I don't know if if like a person with modern entertainment sensibilities could really appreciate Star Trek today. Because again, sometimes that drama is just people walking down a hallway. And I don't know if that's enough for people. It seems like today people, if the, if the entire universe, not even the universe, if the, if the multiverse, which we don't even know if it exists, if the multiverse isn't threatened and on the line, it's not dramatic enough. Like it's not worth their time. You know, like that, that that's kind of how I feel like people see things today. Um, because no one, no one seems to be into like the, the simpler stuff, like something we're not going to cover here in, in this conversation. I'll, I'll make it plain right at the onset, uh, like Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery or Lower Decks. That's all fan fiction like that. That to me, that's not Star Trek. I mean, what, what do you say to that, Ellen? I I say that it's kind of like the same reason why you don't like eating corn. <laughs> I don't like eating corn, <laughs> but please elaborate. <laughs> well, I don't know if any of your listeners know this, but you despise eating corn. Just the whole corn kernels, not yeah. like corn products. Yeah, yeah. But it's because when you go to the bathroom, right. the corn kernel is still in its whole undigested yeah. state. Nothing should come out the, the way that it it went in. You but, just shit it out. Yeah. And instead of being a corn kernel, it's now a corn kernel sticking out of a giant turd. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you don't like Discovery or Picard because you, like, you don't really digest them. Like, there's nothing there and it's just shit that comes out. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think CBS has just, like, shit out so many shows that mm -hmm. it doesn't... Like the company as a whole can't make quality products anymore. Like yeah. it's, it's all just running off of scripts that have been written, you know, over the past five or 10 years or whatever, minor alterations. Right. So you're uh, saying it's all the same. It feels like everything else. It feels like the same entertainment that they've yeah. been making over the last decade that are like marketed to the masses. Mm -hmm. Um And yes, there's, there's nothing to digest in, in them. Yeah. There's nothing special about him. Um, I it mean, doesn't make me feel good when I watch it. Yeah. Like, how disappointed were you with Picard? I, really? I, it made me want to slip my wrists. <laughs> Holy shit. Not that I ever would. 
Not that no, I know right, right. But it was just so dark and like there's so much killing, characters doing things that they never should do. Right. Um it was like it had lost all of its soul and these characters were just being puppeteered by some other more evil entity. I think it makes it worse that I don't know if you felt this way and let me know if you did. Like I felt like, okay, this can't fail. Like Star Trek Picard is going to be so goddamn good, you know, because it's Picard. How can it go wrong? You know, um, they turned seven of nine into like an alcoholic. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I know. You're totally right. I like why, why are there people that are still addicted to drugs in the future? Well, well, that was a yeah. See, now that was a really interesting thing because also the uh, uh, his friend there, Picard's friend, um, like uh, uh, the black woman. Yeah, I don't remember what her name is. I don't remember any of the characters' names. She had really nice hair. Yeah, curly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fine actress. I'm not. There's no knocking here, but like, she was literally like like an abuser, you know, and or I or I mean, uh, you know, like. Abusing alcohol, drugs, whatever, you know, which are, I'm saying that conventionally because like, that's something that Gene Roddenberry just wouldn't allow. I mean, for example, in Harlan Ellison's original script for City on the Edge of Forever, which for many people is considered the greatest episode of Star Trek all time, uh, he did want to have drug pushers, you know, drug dealers for whatever that means in, um, you know, in, in the that homeless episode. Shelter. Well, well, not, not even in the homeless shelter in the future. Like you can read in the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll share this with you. You can read because Harlan Ellison, before he died, thankfully, was able to release a comic book version of his original script that IDW did, and it opens right up with this guy selling drugs, and it's a totally different opening than what you get where where McCoy like injects himself. There's actually a completely different thing that occurs within it. But Gene Roddenberry told him no way. No, the crew of the Enterprise doesn't take drugs. You know, like, like not you know that that's just not like a, a part of it. But then, and that was even with the original series. So that's how long this has been. You know, a concept within Star Trek. Uh, you know, and so for her to be like this, you know, addicted and whatever else. I mean, not that Star Trek steered away from the con- with the, the conversation around drugs, but like Roddenberry was making it clear humanity's gotten like beyond these things. Okay. However anybody feels about drugs. I mean, that's a very complex and nuanced conversation to have. What kind of drugs are we talking about, you know? So, anyway. Well, it does bring to mind the original series episode where, um, I think it might have been Mud's Women. Yes. Um, you know, they're they're taking pills that, like, keep them youthful and beautiful. Yes. And then in the end, Kirk is like, oh, you don't have to take that to be beautiful. It's just about how you, what you believe, how you feel about yourself. Yeah, yeah. And um, I thought that was really great because, like... You know, it shows there is a struggle um, that mm-hmm. people face when they're taking drugs. Like, they don't think that they can be normal without it, or they right. don't think that they can, um, you know, feel good and have fun or let loose or even, like, go to sleep without these drugs. But, like, all you have to do is believe in yourself. Power of the mind. Yeah. It was absolutely an episode <laughs> that was like the power of the mind is, you know, is, is what you need. You and know, in the end, need. she stopped taking it. Yeah, yeah. And they ended up beautiful. Granted, it's fiction, but whatever, you know. And, and you know, is beauty like the, this this thing to you know to, to strive and whatever? Okay, we could talk about that. But the point. But hopefully, remains, in the future, people get over this obsession with youthful beauty. Yes, that they yeah. have now. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Picard. It just it failed. It wasn't Star Trek, and as 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 you know, 
my brother Rob always says that like Star Trek Picard answered the question that Q asked, you know, is humanity worthy? And Star Trek Picard says, no, it's not. It is not a worthy species. And that sucks because that, that basically un, undoes everything that the next generation was doing. You know, like what it was trying to, to say is that, no, we are worthy. And the, you know, the adventure continues. Um, the human adventure, right? So, and, and discovery, I mean, the less said about that, the better, right? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was only one character that I really liked in that series. And then the rest of them were. Who'd you like? I, I don't know. Uh, I forget what his name is. He had he came from the planet that wasn't advanced. Oh, the Kelpian. Yes, yeah, Saru. The Kelpian. Yeah, Saru. Saru. Yeah, Saru was good. I mean, Doug Jones is a great actor. So, like, yeah, I hear that. And Pike was cool, right? He you was know? all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Saru. Yeah, but I mean, that's like not enough to hinge an entire show. And I mean, I just think there was so much about that show that was just so ridiculous. Um, so so these are things that we're not we're not including that in when we say hey go ahead and you know go watch star trek this is the order you should watch it and we're not even going to bring up discovery or picard like for me it's not part of the program and i mean it sounds like it's the same for you ellen it's the corn kernel (laughs) (laughs) goes out just like it came in (laughs) yeah we got nothing from it yeah yeah exactly (laughs) empty calories um so (laughs) um yeah, so let me read the question from the Telegram group. Yes, finally. Yeah, yeah, and actually there's some interesting points to bring up from this, but let's say it here. So, so at Sovereign, if you ran into someone who has never watched Star Trek, what viewing order would you recommend? And now he gives his. Would basically follow air date, uh, or his recommendation was, would basically follow air date except placing Enterprise in the original series continues, that Star Trek continues, and the animated series together after Picard as a prequel setup. I would also skip Discovery in its entirety. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so that, that that's an interesting, you know, viewing order uh, uh, to consider. I am going to pull up, uh, let's see, my response uh, on that. And... Oh, you wrote yours out? Well, I'm I, just going to go based on memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I could say what I what I said to him in in response. Maybe, maybe I won't get to that right here, um, or I'll bring it up after the fact. We'll talk about it after the fact. So, but, you know, for those that, that don't know, um, I mean, Star Trek, the original series, did officially begin in 1965, okay? Okay. Um, in my opinion, like this is with the cage and everything, like the original pilot, and then they had to go and make a second one, and then it finally aired, uh, you know, like in 1966, went three seasons from 1966 to 1969. Okay, now that for many people could be considered old television, right? Um, even today, so fast forward to the next generation, 1987 is when the next generation started, okay, and then you know, didn't end until you know, um like 1993 and then you get the movies starting out in like 94 um you know and so on and then you get these space nine that started you know in that same year and then you get voyager which starts uh you know in the late 90s and then you have enterprises which starts in 2001 there's a lot of star trek to watch even though we're not including anything that cbs has made in recent years um there's there's a lot of ground to cover here so do you want you want you want me to go into mine first of how I'd recommend watching this? Sure. And then you could get into yours, or go do ahead. you want to do it in reverse? I'd like to hear your explanation too. Okay. All right. So I'll I'll go into mine. 
and and t- you tell me if you think this is this is this is wrong. Like if, I, if I'm off base on this, okay. <laughs> and actually, so real quick, someone another great listener in the Telegram group, just great guy. Uh, he said he just he I, he's older. I, I I could be wrong. Maybe he said he was in his 40s or something like that. And he just started watching Star Trek. Oh, good for you. Yeah. And Bravo. yeah, but amazingly, he started from Discovery. He likes Star Trek, but he started from like Discovery Picard, and I was like, and he even told me, he says, Brian, he says you're not going to like this answer, and I respond to him, yeah, I don't like your answer, <laughs> so because I asked him, I was like, wow, where did you start? I'm curious, and and that's that's where he where he started. Well, I suppose <laughs> it's you know starting is the hardest part of anything. No, that's right. <laughs> Whatever gets you to make the first step. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you've made the step. Yeah. Uh, so I would not recommend going that way, but, um, so my recommendation is kind of an odd one and it really also hit me with, with our recent rewatching of a lot of these series. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, like, it's so hard for me to not say, no, you start from the original series and you work your way up. Because for me, the original series is still the pinnacle. Like, it's still like, okay, this is Star Trek at its best. And it's even better now because they updated the effects. And, I mean, in that updating of effects, is a lot more than just updating of effects. Like, I mean, they really did some amazing little things um, which each, with, with each of these episodes. But basically, I think you can watch the original series without it looking too old now. You know, and it can still look kind of modern. It's very hard for me to not say start with that. Very, very hard. Um, Why is it so hard? Because I think it's so damn good. And I and I don't think there's any... I don't think any of any other Star Trek comes... Maybe the first... And we're, we'll get into this. Maybe the first couple seasons of The Next Generation play on such a large scale of topics as the original series does. Like, the original series brings out just the most wild ideas. And, and deals with just just really far out shit, you know? Um, and, and I don't feel like any other Star Trek really does that. The rest of Star Trek starts to get very, almost insular. And I'm not knocking it because it does that very well. And it explores, it, you know, maybe it's just spending a little more time exploring Star Trek or exploring the interior universe of ourselves as compared to the exterior and asking the big questions about the exterior of the universe. Um, and, and I really think like Star Trek stands very tall because it did the original series, especially did that. It asked the biggest of questions instead of just little things, not nothing wrong with the little things, but I love, you know, that the, the show had that, that just had the balls, you know, to, to really like go there. Um, I mean, Star Trek at the time in the 60s was science fiction at its best. Like it, it, it was all the great science fiction writers wanted to write for Star Trek. Everybody wanted to be a part of it because they saw this as like, this is the new wave. Like this is where science fiction is going to take us. And science fiction is going to in turn influence society. Anyway, so it's very hard for me not to say to start with that. But at the same time, I do understand modern sensibilities. I do get it that people would look at that. And I've been with people, like, and I've hung out with people where the original series, they can't even get past one episode. They won't touch it. And these are people who could love The Next Generation, who could love, you know, every every Star Trek show besides. But get them in front of the original series, they can't stand it. 
It's too campy. Yeah, right. That's what I've heard a lot. There you go. Yes, that's it. That's it. And what a shame, you know, that people can't get past it. Yeah, actually, so I got some... uh, A few years back, I got one of my friends to start watching the original series. Mm -hmm. And he said that he really liked it because each episode was kind of like... I don't know, a James Bond movie. Like a mini James Bond Mm -hmm. mystery spy thriller. Yeah. But it's more like psychological sometimes. Well, yeah. You know, some people can easily interact with that sort of media. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it just depends on, you know, what what kind of media you like to intake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a classic interview with Tom Snyder, and this is before Star Trek The Motion Picture came out in 79, and he had the original cast on, because at this point, Star Trek, even though it was off the air for almost 10 years, had become the, the cultural icon. Like, it had just become this beast in syndication, you know? And so he had the original cast on, and they actually played, like, two minutes of an episode. The beginning, the very beginning of an episode, just to give people, like, a, a taste for what Star Trek is. And as soon as they stopped, like it's people getting into a transporter. Again, it's that walking down the hallway, right? But as soon as it stopped, Tom Snyder, and this guy never bullshitted in his life, or at least as far as I know, you know, just a great guy. He stops and goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Keep playing the episode. He says, I want to know what's going to happen because it's just this really mysterious setup. But the writing was so goddamn good. You know, I, I agree with that, that James Bond or like that mystery setup. They were so good at that back then. And the music, everything that's going on, you just, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and also, you know, this speaks to something else quickly with, and I didn't realize this until, until, uh, season four of Star Trek Enterprise, when they went, when they found a, uh, a ship from the original series in it. Okay. It was the USS Defiant, but it was constitution class, whatever. Anyway, it's related to the original series episode, the Tholian web. Um, and they go aboard like an old style bridge from the original series. And when I watched that. This would have been in like 2005. When I when I saw that for the first time, I was blown away at how advanced everything from the original series looked. Now that I was watching it with a 21st century kind of like, you know, purview on it or uh, uh, filming on it. And and I think that's a strength of the original series as well, is that it still to this day looks so far out. Everything still looks so advanced. And I would say more advanced even than what's in the next generation. People might disagree with me on that. Um but that's why I still think it holds up so well. But then I've never really like seen anybody. I'm, I mean, you're amazing, right? Because you said you started with the original series and that kept you going. And then yeah. you got into Next Generation. And I, I don't think for most people that it would work that way. Like, I feel like you got to set them up with the meat and, or you got to set them up with the best or what gets perceived as the best. And then you can kind of like get them into that in the past. I don't know what it is about you. You're just, you're magic. Like you're, you're, you're special in that, <laughs> you know, like, cause I mean, well, so what you're, so you're 27 now, right? Right. We just celebrated my birthday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing time. Um, but you know, you're somebody who's 27, but you're not into anything that 27 year olds are generally into. Like you, I mean, who's your, your favorite artist, like Billy Joel, you know, and, and go down the <laughs> list of it. Like for most people who are 27, it was like, what are you talking about? It's not Dua Lupa or whoever the hell she is. Well, actually it might be Devin Townsend at this point. Wow, even better. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That empath album, huh? Yeah. Yeah. A masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're right. Okay. But that's my point is that you, you, you're, you're incredibly special, you know, um, most, Thank you. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I did start out with Frank Sinatra when I was like 13 years see, old. See? So you can dig stuff that's from far before your time. Yeah. I don't feel like most people are that way. Well, I mean, not everybody's an old soul. Ah, there it is. There it is. That, well, that's what I've been told mm-hmm. that I am. But I don't know. I mean, like, I'm a very emotionally in tune person. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a very, like, scientific mind. Um, but there's always, there's like a sense of curiosity about everything that I have that I only felt like, like Star Trek has that. Yes. That curiosity. You can't really find that anywhere else. Yeah. 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 Well, that's it. The show asks questions, right? And sometimes it doesn't give us the, like the, the, the clear answers. Yeah. Cause you're a person that asks a lot of questions. I do. And it that's, can that's be annoying. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's only annoying because everybody else is fucked up. Like you're <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is like to other people, it's annoying. Sure. Yes. To other people, it's annoying. And maybe that's it. Maybe people don't. And, and you know, you might be hitting at it here. I did not plan on this. And I think this is amazing. You might be hitting at it. Why a lot of people can't dig, say, like the original series or why they can't dig or why some people just don't like Star Trek outside of maybe Discovery or something like that. Because it's about discovering well, be- strange new worlds. Well, that because it's asking questions and it's asking deep, hard questions. You know, like big stuff. Um, like one of my favorite quotes from uh, uh, from the original series is in an episode where there's this giant <laughs> amoeba. <laughs> it's a space amoeba. Okay. And it's going to consume uh, the universe eventually, you know, like if it goes on a long enough path. And there's a point where McCoy says, what if our whole purpose in existing is to be the immune system for the universe? At least we would boom. have a purpose for existing. Right, but I mean, you know? just, but I mean just <laughs> boom, right? Like, I, I mean, like, that that's that's such a massive, who would who the fuck would have ever really thought of that? I mean, like, that that's such a gigantic idea. But at the same time, like, you stop for a minute, you go, whoa, wait a minute, that's, that might even be logically consistent, you know? Like, it, it's so crazy. And this is, this is just like, it's kind of like with cryptocurrencies, right? Where, like, people with, with Bitcoin, why don't people, why are people so averse to Bitcoin? It's because it makes them realize that every other form of money they use is bullshit. Or that maybe that all money is bullshit, right? Which certainly Star Trek's gone that distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing is, I think people don't like to be that uncomfortable, you know? And I think that you, you might have, you might have really just hit at this of why people, you know, don't, don't, don't get into this because the questions that Star Trek asks at its best make us incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, it takes away all of the modern life conveniences and comforts. Right. And it makes you realize how screwed up our world is right now. You know? Ooh, big, big, good one. <laughs> good one, love. <laughs> wow. You took that distances. Well, I, I, but I, that's because I, I, I think you hit it. I think you hit it. Is that maybe that's what makes like a diehard Star Trek fan and a not so diehard one is who's willing to be uncomfortable in the questions that gets asked and who's not. Um, yeah, because it can, uh, you know, after watching some of these episodes, you might end up crying because you, you know, you feel so much. Yeah. Um, it makes you ask questions about yourself, your own decisions, your own life. Right. Yeah. And, and again, you can't help but look at the world around you and say, wait a minute, why can't we have this right now? Um, and, and I think in a lot of ways you could. Like, there's actually a great book called Treconomics where it's this guy who breaks, and he even, like, quotes Rothbard and everybody else. But he breaks down the whole thing of, like, yeah, we could actually have Star Trek today on Earth. Okay, we can't go to space, but we could do everything else, you know. And, but again, you know, like, that takes a good, hard, long look at one's prerogatives, priorities, 
and boy, you know, how bad is it? You know, like, like what is actually making the world go round and round and how bad is it? So anyway, anyway, all that sidetrack. Um, I don't think people can, like most people can't handle, I think the original series at the onset. You have to have an appreciation for like more classic stuff like that. Like you got to be the kind that can appreciate Lost in Space. And, and I mean, old Lost in Space and, and all this other stuff, I think, to really appreciate it. Um, so, but here's the thing is that I think that the first two seasons of the next generation feel very much the same way. And I've, and you and I have talked about this where like the next generation, like asks questions about what happens when we die, what have, you know, like, like, I mean, just these really, really big questions. Um, and really traveling with thought. Yeah. I mean, the episode where no one has gone before is... I mean, you know, the idea, what, what does the traveler say? The idea that, what is it, thought? Thought, that, space, and time are yeah. all the same thing. Right, right. They're not they're not separated like we think they are. I mean, these are like, boom, you know, big, big ideas that after Gene Roddenberry walks away from the show, or like, and I'm not saying on purpose, but after Gene Roddenberry is kind of removed from the equation, Star Trek gets away from those bigger concepts, right? And I think it starts to deal on, on a little bit of a smaller scale. Not that that's a problem, okay? But there's a difference there. Also, the first two seasons of The Next Generation look look less than optimal today. As to where I think when you watch season three up, it looks just as good today as it did... You know, I mean, it looks just as futuristic. It looks, it looks like it was made yesterday. You know, not in 1987. Um... And so that gets to my point of what order should people watch Star Trek in? I think, I think people should start with season three of the next generation. Like if you've never watched Star Trek before, start with season three uh, of the next generation. Maybe, and this gets into some like kind of a back and forth that I had in the telegram group. Maybe start with um, encounter at Farpoint, which is the first episode of the next generation. Like, watch that to get the setup for The Next Generation, because that episode looks really good, and it's it's good drama and all that. Um, and then watch season three and go forward. Um, and, and, you know, when you go to season three, then just, just, just watch chronologically from that point. Meaning, watch, you know, all The Next Generation, season three, up. Watch the movies. Watch Deep Space Nine. Watch The, the Next Generation movies. Watch Deep Space Nine. Then watch Voyager. Um... And then I would say, get into, okay, then watch the original series and then watch Enterprise. I don't think Enterprise makes as much sense or is as um, uh, rewarding without the original series. But I could be wrong about that. I'm open to some changes on that, to where instead you watch Enterprise and then the original series. No, I agree with you. I don't think I would have liked Enterprise very much if I hadn't already seen the original series. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially a lot of season four. Like, there's a lot of inside inside baseball in season four of enterprise that is awesome, but it's mainly awesome because it's playing off of things that happened in the original series. Um, so I feel like enterprise would kind of be like the last thing that you would watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the listener who asked this question brought up star Trek continues, which is a, a quote unquote fan made production but it's so well done. I think it's it's absolutely season four of the original series, and I would watch it as such. 
and the animated series, which was made in the 70s, I think that's worth watching as well before you get to Enterprise. Um, and I would watch the, the original series movies and everything, before again, before you get to Enterprise, um, especially because there's a lot in Star Trek Three that only makes sense when you get that. You only understand that happens in Enterprise by watching Star Trek III. Um, the search for Spock, like Katra's, you know, a lot of Vulcan uh, mythology and everything, or, or Vulcan ideology. So, so that that that's my that's my order. So you wouldn't recommend watching the first two uh, seasons of the Next Generation at all? No, well, you can watch them after, like after you get through Enterprise, after you get through the original series and everything. Like then, I think you can watch those, and that's fun because it takes you back to the beginning, the beginning of your journey right of someone who say started in season three um because i think it's season one and two of the next generation i like them more and more the more i watch them but i like them the more i watch them because they remind me more and more of the original series more so than they remind me of you know star trek that was more popular with next generation d space nine voyager and enterprise um so yeah i'd say start with encounter at farpoint you know, start with the first episode of The Next Generation, then do season three and just work your way up from there. And then when you get past Voyager, go ahead and watch original series, um, the original series movies, Star Trek Continues, the animated series, and then you can finish off with Enterprise. And in fact, what makes this really beautiful is that the, even though people, this is a very controversial thing, um, watching the last episode of Enterprise has Commander Riker and you know, takes place during the next generation. So it's a great way to lead you back to season one and two of, of the next generation so that you can, you know, have, have completely seen everything. Um, that, 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 that's my order. What, what do you think? Tell me I'm crazy. Yeah, I think you're crazy. (laughs) I think what you're recommending here is not the way that you would watch it. It's just, you're trying to be considerate of somebody who's got I don't, somebody who might be resistant to watching Star Trek for whatever reason. Yeah. But nobody's going to start watching it unless they, like, are ready to to get into this, you know? If they have a real reason to be interested. Yeah. I mean, they're, the newer the newer series coming out, I mean, you can watch those. They can stand alone. Yep. You don't have to go back and watch any of the no other history. series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but... If you want to go back and watch the older content, I mean, I think there's a, a better way to do it that's less confusing. Well, I want to hear that. L- I mean, l- let me say quick, just in response. Like, I just, my experience is most people just aren't patient. And, like, Babylon 5, like we mentioned earlier. Do you know why most people haven't watched Babylon 5? It's because season one is boring to most people. Like, the big stuff that everybody loves about Babylon 5 all happens at the end of season two and then going on, you know, going forward, right? Most people can't get past season one. They just can't. And I understand that they can't. Like, I get it. It's not as exciting as what comes in season three, but you can't start in season three because what makes season three as exciting is all the buildup from season one and two, right? You know? So, you know, I, like, I get that. And I think that if you, you know, you can say to somebody, hey, go watch Star Trek The Next Generation. It, it's, it, it plays just as fresh as it did you know, 20, 30 years ago, right? 
and then they start with season one and they look at you and they're like what are you talking about the show looks ridiculous like like and and then you look at season one you're like oh yeah okay this doesn't look as high production as like season three onward does you know as soon as they get the new uniforms and everything um so i think it comes down to a matter of patience most people just don't have the patience uh you know to really like to get through a build-up you know um, I mean, just look at Discovery. Like, Discovery, season one of Discovery had so much crazy horseshit going on in it. I mean, there's this giant war, and then they're going to another universe, and then, I mean, and this is like the storyline of the whole season, you know? And inside of like uh, 13 episodes or something like that. I mean, and there's people who apparently actually love this thing. And, and that's it. Is that what I'm saying? Is that like people, a lot of people, I feel like, just don't have the attention span to have a big buildup you know, and like to deal with two seasons that might not be as good as season three. And so that's why I say start there, but you can tell me what you think. And I, then I really like, I want to hear, I want to hear your recommendation. Yeah. Well, again, my recommendation wouldn't be uh, like just listening to what you said. I felt like it was very confusing Mm -hmm. and I, I don't think that I would choose to watch it that, I mean, my personal take is, I like to watch things chronologically. I do, too. Um, I understand, you know, emotionally, there are some reasons why I would not recommend watching Star Trek chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in-universe, not just the way that it was filmed. Right. Um, but I, I just feel like it would be right to start with the original series. Not even Enterprise, even though Enterprise takes place before that. No. Again, like you said earlier, you can't really fully appreciate Enterprise unless you've seen what happens in the original series. Right. And I always felt like starting out with the original series was kind of like a magical way to get it started because it's it's almost mythical at this point. Um, every like there's so many Star Trek series that were born out of that because the original series was so solid and was so good. Yes. And had amazing characters. Like, everybody, no matter who you are, you know who Spock is. Yeah. Because he was just that great of a character. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. I agree with you. And it's important to keep in mind, everybody that made The Next Generation, a lot of them were fans. You know, and the thing is, they were fans of the original series, and they were trying to replicate the magic that the original series had. I mean, if there was not a stronger position or a statement, in my opinion, to say why the original series is so damn good, it's like, yeah, without that, no one would have even wanted to make the next generation. And exactly. I don't, right. And I don't just mean like the studio heads like Paramount. I mean like the people who actually made the goddamn show. You know, that the people who were you know holding the boom mics and everything else wouldn't have cared. If it wasn't for, you know, that that the, the original series, they just loved it so much and they wanted to keep that spirit going, you know? Yeah, there's a reason that people are so passionate about the original series. And yeah. I think that in itself is enough of a reason to start with the original series. Right. Uh, because if you are going to like Star Trek, then you will see something that you like mm-hmm. in the original series. Mm-hmm. Um And I get it, the original series is campy, and it's slow compared to what even the next generation did. Yeah. Um, You know, they were able to speed up the dialogue in certain scenes a little more. Yeah. Even though they still take time to do things. But, uh, you know, back in the 60s when they first started filming it, like, 
things were very different. Like yeah. things moved much more slowly. Right. Um, but again, it doesn't have to require an immense amount of patience to watch that. Um, it just requires an interest and a curiosity. And like, you know, if you like psychological thrillers, if you like mystery, mm-hmm. then you'll really like it. Yeah, this is incredibly intelligent television. Right. Okay, so, officially, Ellen Sovereign is saying, start with the original series. That's affirmative. Yeah, okay. And then, you know, do the the original series movies, um, or, well, see, this is the thing, too, right? Like, so you watch Star Trek Continues with me. You you remember these episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think that's dynamite. And it beautifully leads right into Star Trek The Motion Picture, like with the last episode of it. Um, I mean, it does such a great job of recapturing the magic of the original series, in my opinion. Um, That's another thing where I feel like if you don't have the entire weight, uh, because even that makes reference to like the next generation, um, where like you have the ship's counselor program, you know, Mm -hmm. and then things like this. And you even have, like, early versions of the holodeck. Um, I don't think you can watch that as well directly after watching the original series without the full weight of everything else Star Trek behind it. You know, to really appreciate just how good of a job they did um, with that. So, But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't watch it until after you've seen everything else. You think that just so? means it'll give you a new appreciation after you do see everything else. Yeah, yeah. And then you can watch it over again if you really want. Yeah. Okay. All right. So watch Star Trek Continues after watching the original series. It just sounds like you want everything to be perfect. Like, you've got to see this in order to fully appreciate this next thing. <laughs> but it's okay to not fully appreciate it the first time you watch it. This mm-hmm. show has many layers. It's It's an onion. It's a, you know... It's a many-layered cake. Yeah. No, you're right. You're totally right. And you, you're not going to get all of them in one watching. In fact, that's why we started watching it a second time. Right. Because, well, for me, it's a second time. Yeah. For you, I don't know. It's a hundred. Yeah, whatever. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. again, there's just so much to take in that's going on. Um, sometimes you don't even realize it when you're watching it the first time, and that's why you need to do the second watching. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. How about the animated series? Well, <laughs> Did not, I see an eye roll? I'm not the best person to ask about that <laughs> because I never got through the animated series. Yeah. I watched a few episodes and um, frankly, I was just bored with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did not have the same appeal to me as the original series. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the writing was a lot worse. Even the Uhura episode where she really, like, takes command of the Enterprise and, you know, because all the men are getting transfixed by the by the women. That's actually the episode I was thinking of where all the men end up, like, in this vampire basin where their life force is being sucked out of them. Because by the women there. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, that's just taking sexism to a whole other level. <laughs> I don't, in so many ways. See, a lot of people think that episode is, like, really strong, like, feminist, because Uhura gets to, you know, not just a woman, but a black woman, gets to take command and saves the day, you know, which even in the 70s was kind of unheard of. Yeah, good for her. But the whole premise of the show is that these women are sucking the life force, like, harpies, out of the men. 
They're luring them. Women are the problem. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Into a trap. <laughs> the women cause the problem so yeah. that a woman can come save the day? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's taking three <laughs> steps backwards and one step forward. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. I, 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 I can get it. Like, I get where you're coming from. I can get it. Um, Again, I didn't get through the whole animated series, so I really don't know. Yeah. What the rest of, what the rest of it is like. Maybe mm-hmm. it gets better, but, um, yeah, I, I never really considered that like part of the original series. Yeah, Gene Roddenberry actually never considered it part of like the canon. Like in his mind, he thought, yeah, that was nice, even though he was involved with it. He's like, yeah, that's nice, but that's not part of the canon. You know, I I, I think he didn't feel that it lived up to what he was trying to do, um, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, the The animated series, like I get, I totally get it. It it does not even come close to reaching the heights of any other hour of Star Trek. You know, of any other any other time, any other episode of Star Trek, regardless of the series. Um, but I, I I do still really like it, uh, and I and I think it did explore some interesting ideas. I mean, the animation looks cheap now, but that was like that was expensive stuff back in the day like that that was a big deal and they got all the original actors and everything to get involved um to do the voices um i i don't know i i love it but then i think part of the reason that it doesn't work for me is because mm -hmm. the the slow plotting speed at which all of the discourse takes place Mm -hmm. in live action you can at least see where people's eyes are looking or their facial expressions yeah but you lose out on all that intensity all that communication in the animated series because they're like, you know, they're moving in blocks, so yeah. to speak. They don't have all that detail. No, I think you raise a great point because, for example, like William Shatner, his performance of Kirk, he speaks, you know, almost comedically to people. He speaks slowly in it, right? You know, he has very, like, he has pregnant pauses and everything. But when you watch it in live action, he's, like, his either his hands are moving or he's doing something and you're just hooked on what he's saying. And well, it's great acting. That's what makes it work. Right. But in, but you're totally right that in animation, you don't get that. It's just a blank stare. Right. right. Uh, until he says the next thing. So that's a great point that you raise. I, I can see that. Where where that's just, like, that's, that's not enough. And maybe, see, maybe this is a case where, okay, because I grew up with that kind of animation, I can accept it. But now it just plays, it just doesn't play well, you know? Um, I think that makes a lot of sense, what, what, what you're saying. So you would skip the animated series. I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, it's up to you if you want to watch it or not. I mean, mm-hmm. if you love the original series that much and you just want more, yeah. go it's ahead. There. But yep. it's not as good, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear that. I, I, I get that. And again, there's debates. There's like two camps on that, whether or not the animated series is part of the canon or not. Um you know, and and I totally respect people who don't like Michael Okuda, who writes all the Star Trek encyclopedias and chronologies and everything. Never includes anything from the animated series, um, so I, I I get where you're coming from. Um, okay, so then you would go into the original series. You do continues, then you would do the original series mo- or Star Trek continues. That is, and then you would do the original series movies. Wait, wait, wait! Didn't wait. we have this conversation before we started? Let's not bring in the movies. The movies oh, well, are something entirely different. Well, right, but you'd watch you'd watch the movies before, like you'd watch one through six before watching the Next Generation, right? 
What? Well, I mean, that's a lot of movies. Yeah, but I, I feel like they lead up. You know, they give you a lot of lead up too. And I mean, I mean, Star Trek too. Like Rathacon, like watching Spock die. Like I don't think you can hold off on that. <laughs> well, the thing is, if you have time in your day for an episode of Star Trek, mm-hmm. that doesn't always mean you have time in your day for a movie of Star Trek. That's true. So, like, watch the movies at your own leisure. Yeah. But the the series, you know, you can continue on with that at any speed. Well, it's a it's an important point to bring up that, like, there were original series movies that took place a hundred year or so about 100 years before The Next Generation that were releasing concurrently with The Next Generation coming out. Right. Like, basically, Star Trek's 1, 2, and 3, you know, um, there was no Next Generation. But 4, 5, and 6, you know, all came out more or less concurrently with The Next Generation airing on, on TV. Um, so there's an argument there to be made. Like, even if you were to watch, like, by air date, as in, like, what chronologically came out first, um, that you would actually watch a lot of The Next Generation before you would watch Star Trek V or before you would watch Star Trek VI. That's, that's a... I didn't even think about that. That's, that's a very interesting point. What do you got? <laughs> well, see, so you're going at this from a much more educated standpoint mm-hmm. in that you know all of the air dates. Uh, yeah, and well, yeah. It matters to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know the air dates, <laughs> and it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, but you're just like in the interest of time. Like, okay, if you've yeah. got a couple hours, fine, take one of these. It's in. okay to like, you know, if you just finished the original series mm-hmm. and you're getting into the next generation, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe sometime in there you have time to watch the Star Trek movies. Yeah. You know, it might feel nice to, like, have that callback to the original series yeah. while you're, you know, still moving forward yeah. in time. kind of reminds you of Kirk and just right. how damn good he was. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's fair. All right, let me, ask, let me ask you this one. So, the cage, which is, like, the pilot, you know, from, from 65, like, the original, original pilot, you know, uh, that would end up getting reused for the Menagerie, for the two-parter in the original series yeah. of Menagerie with Captain Pike mm-hmm. before Captain Kirk's time. When would you watch this? This was, other than in, in the two-parter Menagerie of the original series, was never even meant to be seen, you know, like after it was done because it was considered a failed pilot. And a lot of people wouldn't see it in its, in its entirety until later into the 1980s when it was released on VHS. Um, so, you know, that's 20 years plus um, since it was even made. Where would you tell somebody to watch this? Because I don't know that I'd have them start the original series with that, because that's a very confusing situation. It was, because that's how I started it, too. I watched The Cage first. You did watch The Cage first? I thought it was the first episode of Star Trek. I didn't know shit. I was just going (laughs) into it. I was like, all right, let's jump in. And I started with The Cage. Yeah. Um, And then I watched the next episode, and I was like, wait... What happened to Captain Pike? Right. Where'd all these people go? I mean, Spock's still there, right? But where'd everybody else go? Yeah. yeah. It's just a totally new cast. Um, it Everything felt different after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like a lot of the cage, even the first official episode of Star Trek, Yeah. Um, it was kind of like pandering to the majority of people's interests at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And by that, I mean the same thing that the majority of people are interested in now, like sex and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the cage, like, oh, there's scantily clad, beautiful women. Great. Yeah, the you know, Orion slave women. That's definitely going to get, you know, people hooked. That'll get ratings. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> in the official first episode, I think it was, um, or maybe it was in the cage. I don't remember which one. But the doctor comes in and he's like, you don't need a doctor, you need a bartender. You need a warm martini. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. pours him a drink. Yeah, yeah, so that is the cage, yes. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. So it just felt different to me, um, but that's what I started with. I was, you know, I felt like it was strange and confusing, but let's move forward with this. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll, you know, be different and stabilize as time goes on, and it did. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where I would, you know, place that, because it is kind of a standalone episode yeah there's no really good answer for that yeah um i mean frankly i don't think you even have to watch it because all the high notes are in the menagerie anyway are in the two-parter of the menagerie like the footage is literally in it that's how they made the episode um so i don't know that you even have to watch it it's important i think every home video release uh, uh, from VHS to DVD to Blu-ray to whatever uh, of the original series has always put has always put the cage on the very last disc of season three. So the very last disc of the whole series. Yeah, that's probably where I'd put it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's always where they've done it. Um, so. I, I mean, t- to add to the confusion, like, say you wanted to watch these things on disc. I don't... Th- here's the problem, though. I don't like the way that they put these on disc. Because h- how they get put on disc, th- and this wasn't true for the VHS, they put them on in air date order. Not chronological story order, because mm-hmm. you'll notice there's a difference. Okay, because actually the first episode that aired back in 66 was the man trap with the, the salt vampire, right? Yeah. Now... That's not chronolo- like as far as timeline in in universe is not the first episode. The first episode is where no man has gone before, and you know that because like even like there's characters that aren't even there yet. Like McCoy is not there yet, um, you know, and some others, and people are wearing like slightly different uniforms and everything. So you know it it just doesn't fit. But there has been an obsession since the the aughts. Uh, or no, really since like the late 90s, to watch the original series in its original air date, as in, in the real world, when did it appear on television? I don't agree with that at all. I, I Like, I don't think that's the way to watch it. You should watch it in internal timeline continuity. Um, but that would make an argument for watching The Cage first. But I, I, I just, I, I don't think you can... No, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um, I'd probably put it as an oddity... Like you said, I'd put it as an oddity at the end of, like, season three of the original series. Maybe that's where that, that makes the, the most sense um, How when one is watching it. Uh, a part of me thinks it is important to watch, just because, like, and, and I know you said we, we wouldn't talk about the movies. But, like, when you get into the Kelvin timeline movies, like J.J. Abrams made movies, Captain Pike is such a big character. Um, everything that you can watch about Captain Pike, I think, is important. And so then the cage could, like, actually matter. Same with Spock. Um, this is another thing too that I that I want to I want to touch on quick. Do you have any thoughts on any of that? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, I just I do think it is important to watch that episode because, you know, at some point 
in the original series, you meet Captain Pike mm-hmm. as a head in a jar. Well, as, yeah, like a body in a... Right. That black... And like, one beep is no, two beeps is yes. Exactly, yeah. Um, and that's, like, such a cultural meme now. Like, I've seen other television series... Play off that. Yeah, yeah. use that at, as part of their storyline. Mm-hmm. And they kind of make it funny, but... I mean, it would just be interesting, I think, for a new person to see what Captain Pike was before that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, So this gets to another thing, and that is the character of Spock, who I think is the the epitome and the point, and I don't mean yours, uh, and the point of Star Trek. Like, I think everything that, that is great and wonderful about Star Trek, everything that is Star Trek, everything Star Trek is trying to say, culminates in the character of Spock. Um. What do you think about that statement? Yeah, I agree. He's always been my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so it's it's just it's kind of funny that you can re- I mean you get him in some in the next generation, right? I I guess it makes an argument for why watching the original series first is would be important. Because again, I think everything in Star Trek is all leading to like you know, people being like a very, uh, um, well-rounded, you know, logic is, is only the beginning of wisdom, not the end, you know, kind of person like Spock, right. Um, where logic isn't everything because that's, that's where Spock evolves to is that he finds out, no, logic isn't, you know, all that matters. Like there, there's more. Um, yeah. I wonder if watching it in the order that I suggested would give people that impression as to where I think in the order you're suggesting, they would definitely get that impression of just how great a character Spock is. So that's like the, for me, that's the flaw in my thinking is that if the end game is Spock, my viewing order does not, does not, you know, portray that. Yeah. And if you want to make the argument for appreciation, you get to see Spock in the next generation, but you wouldn't fully appreciate who Spock is right. unless you saw the original series first. Right. Right. There's the flaw. There's the flaw. Do you think, I know you said we wouldn't really talk about the movies, but just think about them. Think about the, just, just, just for a second. Think about the original series movies. Do you think you could watch those without watching any of the TV series? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I I can't even imagine. Yeah. They're so interconnected. Yeah. And also, like, when Kirk gets old, he's, like, an admiral. You know, he's in his office. You don't get to see him in the, like, Wild West cowboy days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I could. Because the first thing I ever saw of Star Trek was the motion picture. But I was, like, five Okay, and so anything looked amazing to me, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so I can't say that starting with Star Trek The Motion Picture is, like, a way that you can go or that you can... Like, I think Star Trek The Motion Picture is a self-contained beast. And it is Star Trek perfected, for me, in my opinion. Um, because of its lack of action and violence, frankly. Um, but, I, yeah, I... I, I don't think I could ever sell that to anybody else, that, that idea that somehow they could just watch that completely on its own without, you know, without watching the original series or, or anything else like that. I just, I don't see it. Do you think maybe 
it's possible that somebody could start with the movies and, you know, find something that they like. I think anybody can watch Star Trek 2 and be hooked and go, holy shit, what a movie that was, you know, and then go into Star Trek 3 because it's a direct, direct, like story-wise, sequel to 2. Um, I, I think you could get away with it. I don't know if you could do Star Trek the motion picture. It takes a special person to appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I, but I, but I think, I think a person could watch two and three and just go, wow. In fact, I know I've met people who've only ever watched Star Trek two and they loved it, but they never went any further. Like they never bothered to watch any other Star Trek because it's just that well done of a movie, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't. It's I don't think any of them are a starting point. I, I I don't think I could ever recommend that. So okay, I think we have a couple different answers here. Well, can we really move on from talking about the movies now? Yeah, we're done. We're not going to talk <laughs> okay. about the movies. It's over. Yeah. Because we're supposed to be talking about the viewing order of the series. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're part of the story. But I hear you. I hear you. So yeah. Um, but, so but, if I can just list them really quickly and get it out so it. that we can continue on with this conversation. Do it. All right. <laughs> so I would suggest going the original series, the next generation. Then, I don't know. Enterprise just doesn't fit in really well anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Odd man out. Yeah. But I guess maybe you could do Enterprise. Uh, but... I, I feel like it would make more sense to go right into Deep Space Nine yes. and then Voyager. Yes. And maybe Enterprise could be at the end. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's fair. I mean, and that's essentially like the order in which they came out, you know, like each series came out. Um, yeah, but it I feel like, you know, at least for me, it makes more sense to watch them in that order than mm. in any other order because... You know, there are some overlap of characters in each of the series. And yes. each series does cover, like, really different things. Yes. Um, You know, like, Deep Space Nine takes place all, basically, on the space station. Mm-hmm. And then Voyager's in a totally different area of space that no human has ever been to before. Yeah, yeah so so this, yeah, you raise a great point. And, and, and this is... Because I think this is what some people might suggest. And I even thought about with you and I watching it in this way. Um, So when I was watching Deep Space Nine or even Next Generation, Deep Space Nine and then Deep Space Nine and Voyager. okay, uh, there were plenty of times where there were two Star Trek shows on air at the same time. And so if you were watching it live in the 90s, you would watch an episode of Deep Space Nine and then maybe later in the night an episode of Voyager would be on. So you're watching those shows concurrently, right? Um, I don't know that I would do that because I think they're so thematically different that they would throw you out. Like like one would throw you out of the adventure of the other because I think when you get really deeply invested in what's happening in Deep Space Nine, you're good. When you're deeply invested in what's happening with Voyager, you're good. I think having a mixture of the two just doesn't work. I mean, because like even, even from season six of The Next Generation... in D Space Nine was on the air, and there's a point where even Dr. Bashir is in an episode of The Next Generation. Um, I, I don't think watching them concurrently like that would work 
Like, I, I feel like it would just throw you out of what's happening in each of the series. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I guess for me, too, I feel strongly attached to the characters in the series. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, just as an example, like, Spock was my all-time favorite Star Trek character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really deeply invested in his story in the original series. But then he shows up in The Next Generation. Yeah. And... I was like, oh, my God, there he is. Yeah. My best yeah. friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you start to feel, well, I started to feel that way about a lot of characters in The Next Generation, too, uh, including Worf. And mm-hmm. Worf becomes a major character in Deep Space Nine. Yes. Not in the first season, but yes. later on he does. Yes. Um, so it's really good to see that, to see some sort of continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also... In Voyager, Picard makes an appearance, which, I mean, Voyager has, doesn't he? Wait. Like, at the end of Voyager? N- no, Riker does. Riker. In like in, in, like, a later season, he, like, pops up. Q has him pop up. I thought that that Picard had a conversation with Janeway. That's in Nemesis. That's in Star Trek Was Nemesis. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I get it. You're, you're on. Like, well, anyway, you're not so imagining the it. Characters, it happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They do interact at times. Uh, and it's it's really cool to see the continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I think it's really important to watch The Next Generation before Voyager because you get all the background on the Borg, and the Borg are, like, the biggest enemy yeah. in, in Voyager. Oh, you see, yeah, you're right. Yes, I, I want you to finish. I want you to continue. And additionally, <laughs> so I've, I've got a few different reasons yeah. for why I put yeah, it yeah. in this order. So in Voyager and in Enterprise... <laughs> I would say that these two are maybe, like, ethically the weakest series of Mm. Star Trek. There are things that happen in these series that are just not okay. Yes. Um, Especially Deep Space Nine. Which some would argue is its strength. Especially in Deep Space Nine. As far as things like not being ethically okay. Yeah, but, I mean, the people that are part of Starfleet Mm -hmm. that are supposed to uphold the Starfleet code or whatever, Mm -hmm. be the epitome of the human evolution into something that's wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're just doing things that are not okay. And, like, it would be a tough decision for anybody to make. Yeah. But, yeah, I I just found myself, like, cringing at some of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know, like, maybe you could give me an example of something that happened in Deep Space Nine where you felt that way. Because there are things that happen that are ethically, like, repulsive, but they're being done by the Cardassians or somebody mm-hmm. who you're not supposed to like. Well, I mean, when, you know, Cisco, I mean, it's a classic line, you know, from with Cisco, where he's like, I, you know, I can live with it. I can live with it. And he's like telling yeah, it to oh, the, yeah, yeah. Where, how where they tricked the, the Romulans to essentially get into the war, you know, to get into the Dominion War. And like that, that whole episode's like meant to be ethically dubious. Yeah. Uh, but I, I always felt like that was not as bad as but, some of uh, some other things that have happened. In like what? Uh, in Voyager or in um, Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Well, Enterprise makes sense because we're not that we're not that peak humanity right. yet right um yeah and yeah. in voyager i mean i remember doing an episode with you and stephanie years ago mm-hmm. talking about voyager and you know captain janeway faces some really tough choices yep. where she she has to like crack a few eggs you know because she's trying to make an omelet <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, right. But I don't know. I, I feel like that, you know, in some cases kind of avoids the Star Trek outlook of having that best option. Mm-hmm. But... What? Go ahead. No, you... Please. I was just going to say, I mean, like, Voyager does... I mean, I love Voyager. Like, I... That's kind of... It's often considered... I don't know. You get a couple camps on this. There's people who think Deep Space Nine is the bastard stepchild, or there's people who think that Voyager is the bastard stepchild of Star Trek. You know? Um, there's lots of people who love everything Star Trek. They don't like Voyager. You know? Um, I think the show is amazing. I think they could have gotten darker. Like, there's a lot of things they could have done that would have made Deep Space Nine look tame as far as content being discussed, you know? Because, like, what does humanity do without the Federation? You know what I mean? You have all this advanced technology. You're more advanced than most of the people around you in the Delta Quadrant. Um, you know, are you really going to play that moral game the whole time? And there's times where they don't, you know, and you have the Maquis. There's just, there's a lot of beats, a lot of, lot of dramatic beats that Voyager skipped that they could have taken. Um, but at the same time, I do appreciate that I don't know. Yeah, they, they were walking a tightrope, you know, like they were really walking a tightrope with that show because I think there's distances they could have gone. There's distances they tried to go, you know, and anyway, there's just there's always places I wish that 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 show had went. But that's that's besides the point. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. Janeway on and Chakotay in the bathtub together. Oh, man. <laughs> Great stuff. I wish they would have gone that distance. Yeah. Hey, hey whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. When they're stuck on that planet. Man, that Chakotay was... Chakotay her a bathtub. It was phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it was so sweet. <laughs> it was. It was. I I, I love that show. Uh, I really do. And, uh, yeah. All right. So, something that I was going to say earlier, but you said we're not talking about the movies anymore. Like, I don't... Uh, I'm, I'm going to make a very fast statement. <laughs> you can't watch the next... Gen like, after you watch Star Trek The Next Generation, I don't think you can just watch all the Next Generation movies in order. Like, and then go to Deep Space Nine. You have to space out those films. Because you brought it up. There's the scene where Janeway's clearly home. You know, uh, from the Delta Quadrant. And talking to Picard. And she's an admiral in Starfleet. At the end of Nemesis. Nemesis, in many ways has to be the last thing you watch that takes place in the 24th century. Because um, otherwise it doesn't exactly make sense. Just like when you watch First Contact, like, oh, Worf's... Like, why isn't Worf on the Enterprise? Why is he aboard the Defiant? What the fuck's the Defiant? You don't know, you know, until you watch Deep Space Nine. So that that raises... There's a lot of nuance here <laughs> into when you got to watch things. Because Worf doesn't join Deep Space Nine until season four. So anyway, okay, no more movies. Really, I'm done. I'm not, not going to talk about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, well, here, let me ask you this, this question. So watching Enterprise after Voyager, I feel like Enterprise is ultimately a more hopeful show than Voyager even is. You think so? I think so. I, I think that it, like, because it is about humanity achieving what they can be come the time of Kirk, come the time of Picard, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're just starting out in their intergalactic journey. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they, they go the distance, and there's some great speeches in season four that, that um, you know, Captain Archer gives, uh, where we need to explore the universe and the universe inside ourselves, you know, that are just beautiful statements uh, to make. 
So I feel like, I, I guess I wonder, do you think if you ended with Voyager, would that leave a bad taste in your mouth? It might. I think, because there, I think, I, I remember you saying this uh, when we were watching it together, mm-hmm. um, because there's an episode where basically they capture and torture someone from the enemy camp. Yes. And um, you said at the time it was like in response to 9-11 terrorism. Yeah, all of season three was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that that is part of what made it like not so enjoyable to me. Yeah. Because it really, like the people who are supposed to be the good people started mm-hmm. doing terrible shit. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't okay with that. Like yeah. that's not what Star Trek is about. Yeah. Um, so for me, it felt less and less like that idealistic world. Yeah. And more like, I don't know, just military in space. Well, I think that happened because, and and because at the end of season three of Enterprise, like the showrunners, the average showrunners, Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and so on, they walk away, and they hand it over to Manny Cotto to run it for season four. And then you know, you ask anybody about Enterprise, they're like, oh yeah, season four was awesome, <laughs> you know, like because I think exactly what you just said happened. Like they got away from what makes Star Trek great, and but I think season four makes up for all of that. I think season four like brings everything kind of full circle, um, and I don't think it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth, uh, ultimately. So, and I and I would even say I'd go so far as to say you should watch Enterprise after watching Star Trek Nemesis because Star Trek Nemesis will leave a bad taste in your mouth. Even though I like the movie fine, it's not it's not the happiest damn thing on the planet, you know. Um, as to where I think the ending of Enterprise overall is overall, at least season four is that good. Um, okay, so so your thought processes. Let, you gave me the list earlier. Let's give that list one more time of of how you're recommending watching it. Right? It's not even a hard list. Yeah. I, like I still have challenges deciding where I want to put Enterprise. Yeah. But maybe. You know, if it is going to leave a bad taste in your mouth, if it is going to, like, you know, be a, a darker sort of Star Trek, it's not something you want to finish on. Um, I don't know. There's just no good way to really end it. I guess the movies might be the best way to end it. Mm, okay. Uh, but those are uh, extra beyond the series. Yeah. Not part of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to talk about them more, but I think I would go the original series, The Next Generation, uh, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fine. I, I like. I, I think you can watch it that way, and when you get to the end of Enterprise, I think you're feeling good. Um, like, again, with that ending, with season four. If season four wasn't there for Enterprise, I don't know if I'd even tell people to watch Enterprise, <laughs> as much as I love it. I don't know that I'd tell anybody to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 like your, I like your list. Let me ask you this. Actually, I should ask you this later. I want to ask, because... Here, so, so there's, there's a, something that's come to light for me lately is that the Next Generation movies, like, there's, there's a... I like them, but I wonder if the Next Generation isn't better just ending at the end of Season 7. Ending with all good things, and then, bam, you stop. And in fact... LeVar Burton has even come out and said they should have never made anything beyond Star Trek The Next Generation. And I don't even think he feels that they should have made the movies. I think his opinion is they should have just done seven seasons of The Next Generation and then lightning is struck strike twice, that's it. Stop. Right there. 
Um, I assume you don't feel that way. That like, no, the next generation is enough. Live on, or you know, move on. Don't don't bother with the S nine or Voyager, or Enterprise. Uh, I no, I I don't feel that way. I mean, I always feel like there's something more. Mm-hmm. Um, even though these other series might not be as perfect or as strong, there are good things that come out of them. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you might not like everything as much, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean don't watch it. Right. Right. And to be fair, LeVar Burton, who, of course, played Geordie LaForge in The Next Generation, would go on to direct tons of episodes for all of the following Star Trek series that we talked about. Uh, So for him to say that, oh, they should have stopped The Next Generation, well, he would have been out of a lot of paychecks and directing jobs. So, (laughs) Right. (laughs) And no offense to him, I'm just saying. Um, Okay. All right. So do do you want me to recap my list? Sure. Okay. Go for it. All right. So, again, my recommendation, and, I mean, Ellen, you're totally right. Like, in that I am saying what I think would get people into Star Trek. I'm not necessarily saying the way that I would want to experience it. Because I am an absolutely completist, chronological kind of guy. You know, I would start with the cage. And I would, you know, work my way up, right, chronologically. And have it make sense to me. And I've done this with series in the past, you know. Uh, if you could go back to your five-year-old self and and tell yourself what order to watch this again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, I think when you start watching something that young, like, it, it affects you in very, very powerful ways that allow you to overlook failings, perhaps, that are there that you're just not willing to see. Or you're willing to go distances, you're willing to sit through things that maybe other people would not because you have such a connection that goes that far back, right? And that started so early. Because, um, like, the cage, you know, we're, we're here talking about it and saying, like, kind of out of water it is and kind of strange and all this. It used to be the episode I watched all the time. Like, I loved that episode. I had the VHS tape of it, and, I mean, I wouldn't stop watching it. It was so cool. Um, but anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, boy, especially five-year-old me, I I don't know, like, (laughs) what I would say to him as far as, like, how to start. Uh, I mean, because the other thing, too, is that, you know, again, today, like, effects, even on TV, everything looks amazing. Everything looks like it came out of the movies. You know, there's no difference between movie effects and TV effects today as to where even just 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, there was a difference. You know, like, you knew when something was a TV show and you knew when something was a movie. Um so that's something to consider as well as far as that goes. So that's when I'd have to go back in time. That's what I'd have to do. Um, so anyway, so so yeah, my recommendation, like for me, I'd want to do everything chronologically. But right now, how would I get somebody started on this? I'm going to stick with that. You start with Encounter at Farpoint. Then you go to season three and you watch, you go all the way, you know, and you watch three, four, five, six, seven of seasons of Next Generation. Then you watch Generations. Then you watch Deep Space Nine. But somewhere in in season five of Deep Space Nine, or like season four, you watch First Contact, the the next generation movie, Star Trek First Contact. Um, Then you can go a couple seasons further into Deep Space Nine, season five, season six. But in season six, you should watch Star Trek Insurrection of 
because, and the reason this is, is that you're constantly, Deep Space Nine is loaning Worf back to the Enterprise at these points. Um, but Deep Space Nine is still in existence. Okay, so it makes sense there. And then once you're done with, with Deep Space, once you're done, you've watched Insurrection, then you will finish season, you do season seven of, um, of Deep Space Nine, and then go and watch uh, Voyager. Um, and then after Voyager, then you can watch Star Trek Nemesis. And then you go into uh, watching the original series. Then you watch Star Trek Continues. Then you watch the animated series. Then you watch Enterprise. And you end it with Enterprise. And then you go back to season one and two of The Next Generation. And then if you really want to be saucy, go watch the Kelvin Timeline movies. Go watch the 2009 Star Trek, watch Into Darkness, and watch Beyond. And end it there. And you never watch anything else Star Trek afterwards like you don't bother with discovery you don't bother with with picard you don't do because it's just fan fiction so that's there there's my official official breakdown of how, of how to watch star trek in a way that makes sense even though the first episode of voyager shows deep space nine still don't you can watch it after deep space nine and just appreciate seeing an old friend again essentially um so there we there we go how, how do we how do we feel about this? I think your way is probably just the best way, but well, I don't know. I mean, mine is much simpler. Yeah, but... well, that see, that's the part, right? Is that people love simple, <laughs> and so I think your way is very attractive. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, we're not even watching it in the way that you think is ideal, right? So I I have no idea what the experience would be like watching it that way, but. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it is the best way. I, I think it's the way that'll make a fan out of somebody because they won't run into the stuff that might seem plotting or campy or the effects don't look as good or whatever it is. They won't run into any of that until they have just been hammered by everything that is Star Trek. You know, like like by 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 the the, the, the entire mythos that is Star Trek. Uh because I think once you have that in you, you want to know the rest of the story. You can't help it, but want to go back. Um, so that that yeah, that's my that's my thinking. But anyway, what's your favorite Star Trek show? Which one is my favorite? Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> I know I caught you totally off guard. Well, not the one with Tuvix. What? So not Voyager? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, like, what's your favorite series? I should say, not show. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is something that changes for people. I it think. does change. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all slightly different. So it's mm-hmm. hard to say because they all have strong points and weak points. And it's like picking fo- a favorite kid, right? Yeah. They just focus yeah. on different things. You know, they all have different personalities, if you want to put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Different styles. Yeah. Um, I think in the past I've said my favorite is DS9. Yes. Or no, no, Enterprise. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I in remember the past, you said. I said my favorite was the Next Generation. Yeah, I think there was a moment where you did say Deep Space Nine, though. But Deep Space Nine was my favorite. You asked me what my favorite starship was, and I was like, "Well, can I pick a space station?" Yeah, yeah, you did do that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was my cheat out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean. I still feel like the next generation is really great. Yeah. Um, that might be my favorite. 
because there, there's this old debate in Star Trek fans, you know, like, who's your favorite, Kirk or Picard? Right. <laughs> and, like, for me, it's always been Picard. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like he's, you know, the epitome of what a Starfleet captain should be. Like, he's mm-hmm. not willing to do unethical things, even if it gives him an advantage. Except for that one episode where they had to get through the asteroid using the, um, was it the cloaking oh, device? The Pegasus. Yeah, yeah, the cloaking device the they're not cloak. supposed to use. Yeah, he's like yelling at the Admiral, oh, this is illegal, this is illegal. All right, install it and get us out of this asteroid. <laughs> yeah. But they... they I mean, they do materialize right in front of the Romulans. And yep. they're like, all right, well, contact your government about this. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, he does something wrong, but he's, you know, at least acknowledging it. Yeah. And dealing with it in the moment. Um, but besides that, he never does anything. That He's just such a strong person. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Oh, my God. There's just so many moments where he's, like, really vulnerable. Yeah. But he's willing to be so. He's not scared. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, when he, after Best of Both Worlds, you know, and he gets rescued from the Borg, you know, and he's with his brother on their, you know, childhood vineyard, you know, and and he, like, just breaks down crying, you know, because of what what the Borg did to him. I mean, boy, I feel that every single time. Like, that. that's so heart-wrenching. Yeah. Yeah. Very vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah, there's just so many moments with Picard where mm-hmm. he, he's just, like, the ideal human. And I think that's what Star Trek was always striving towards. Like, yeah. what Spock wanted to become. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, and I, and I like what you're saying. And I think that there's, like, there's something powerful in that Sarek gets to share his memories of his sons, of Spock, even with Picard at one point and then Picard shares it with Spock and I feel like there's a very special kinship between those two characters and I can see what you're saying like where I think Spock is like the epitome Picard is like right there like yeah you know and they do have that like that relationships even implied uh, or explicit for that matter and yeah I I hear that I hear that not to mention Picard has like five lifetimes of experience in his brain you know, not only that moment with Sarek where he does the mind oh, meld. the inner light. But also, uh, he's been a Borg. Yep. He recovered Borg. Yep. Um, and he he was, um, I don't want to say attacked, but like he... The probe. The probe gave him all of these memories of yeah. a previous life. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's done all that and he's lived his Captain Picard life. Yeah. So he's just, he's a multi-person. Yeah, yeah, right. He's lived so many, like, literally lived so many different lives. Absolutely. Um, or even the events of what happens in All Good Things, you could argue that he lived, like, entire other 20 years or something like that in the future that he has memories for. But, yeah, uh, I, I think that's fair. Like, and I think most people would say the next generation is the best, you know. And I'm not saying that as a knock. I'm saying that as, like, for good reason. You know, because it is that damn good. Um, Rob and I recently on TIE Fighter Renegades did a breakdown. And I think I think Next Gen, you know, came out as, as his top pick uh, as well. So I, I totally get that. I was with it. You know, you, Ellen, had me like 
Like, yeah, because in that old adage of, or that old question, old debate of, is Kirk better or is Picard better? I was always Kirk. I, like, in a heartbeat, I'd say, Kirk, of course, you know. Um, you actually, you, you had me convinced about Picard. I'm like, no, you know what? Actually, I think Picard's better. And you made such a great case for that, all just like you did now, you know. Um, but I, I got to admit, after Picard, after Star Trek Picard, the, the, the series came out, it killed me. Like, it, it killed that for me. you shouldn't even be considering that. But it's not, it's not canon. It, well, I, I agree. I, I feel that statement. The thing is, I, I think part of what made Picard so powerful was because Patrick Stewart... Like, in so many ways. You know, I, I know we should separate the art from the artist. But he felt like Picard. Like, in a lot of what he did, like, he really was standing up for noble causes. He was really, you know, like, in real life. You know, you felt like Patrick Stewart, you know, part of Picard was a expression of who Patrick Stewart was. But then you watch Star Trek Picard and you go, Patrick Stewart let this happen? In fact, fuck, he wrote it? He wanted it to be different than Star Trek. Yeah, see, but that, but that, that, that killed it for me. In that, he's not the same person that he was twenty years ago. Well, that's true. That's true. But it really, it really broke some illusions of mine, and I, and I know they're illusions, right? But I, I, it, you know, I, I mean, it, the thing is, like William Shatner has always made it explicitly clear: I am not Captain Kirk. You yeah. know, and I've known that for a long time and I've accepted that for a very long time. But here's, here's, here's the, here's, here's the irony is that in him saying he's not Captain Kirk is almost him being Captain Kirk because he's being that like emotionally hard on his sleeve, honest, that it's the most Captain Kirk thing he could say is that he's not Captain Kirk and that he's a real person, you know, and that, that like he was just so honest and I don't feel like Patrick Stewart ever did that. And in fact, he did worse. As where William Shatner, like, honored the character of Captain Kirk with, with the William Shatner novels that he came out with and all these other things. I feel like Patrick Stewart just, like, wiped his ass with every Next Generation script when he made Star Trek Picard. And, and I, you know, I, like, I, I'm just saying it, I feel pain around that. And, and, it, and it really affected my view of that character. Because I don't think you're wrong. He's like the epitome of what humanity can be. And as far as like, what human being would you want to be? Kirk or Picard? I'd rather be Picard, you know? And I get that. But then like, just looking at it, I guess, holistically, man, did Patrick Stewart fuck it up for me. <laughs> he really fucked it up, you know? And as to where William Shatner did the exact opposite, in my opinion. So, yeah. And, and, and you know, I've had points where I've said Voyager is my favorite Star Trek. I've had points where I've said all different things. I'm I'm at the stage right now where original series, the original series is my is my favorite Star Trek, uh, and nothing like no other show, really no other show blows my mind as much as that one does. And I don't just mean Star Trek; I mean in general, no other show like expands my mind more than that show does. Um, so so that that's it for me. Anyway, do you have any responses to that? Well, I I understand what you're saying. I mean, mm -hmm. I. I also hear your difficulty in separating what happened in real life with mm -hmm. the the television series. I mean, William Shatner as a person is incredible. 
-hmm. Like, the stuff that he's done, even in the past few years, I mean, he's so cool. Yeah, and right. he's still living, like... And he's in his 90s. He's going to live forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know about now. Um, I, like, I know he's hosting a show... Uh, oh, Unexplained. Uh, unexplained. Yeah, yeah, The Unexplained. Yeah. Um, and he does look really uh, elderly. Old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I hope he's okay. Um, but he's always been an incredible storyteller. Like, yes. we saw him live. Yeah, for Star Trek in, Two. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, in Concord. In yeah. Concord, New Hampshire. Yeah. yeah. He he came to the state capitol, told some stories about his life, and fucking then, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> it's so, amazing. Yeah. And wasn't he like riding motorcycles across the U.S.? Yeah, he's doing a whole documentary yeah. riding motorcycles like in a motorcycle gang. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and like, I'm not gonna argue that he's been a perfect human being in real life. No, I mean he's got some views that are strange, but yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he's he's certainly done some things. I mean, like there's a story that Harlan told where, you know, he's being a typical young actor, yeah. ambitious, wanting more lines for himself. Yep. Uh but he's just such an amazing person that you really believe he could do and be what Captain Kirk was. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't know if that's exactly true for Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. After watching Star Trek Picard, I worry about what kind of human being Patrick Stewart is. Like, I'm... I'm almost afraid. Like, like I think he's playing for the wrong team. In a lot of wrong ways. You know, like, I... I that 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 show really bothers me. Like, on, on, a, on a... And, and it goes beyond just, like, oh, this is shitty Star Trek. Like, that show bothers me, like, on a... Uh, I hate this term, but I'm even going to say it like on a spiritual level. Th- th- that show bothers the fuck out of me. It makes you conspiratorial. Very, extremely, extremely. There's so much. There's so much like crap in that. That that's that that's sim, sim, like the symbolism in in a lot of that show is 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 not good. <laughs> like like there, there's just there's a lot of elements that are just not okay. Uh, yeah, so. And and if he was as behind it as he claims to have been, um, that means he's you know he's he's playing for the wrong team. So anyway, <laughs> I didn't mean to end on. Well, I want to wrap this up, and I'm ending on this really like dark note. Uh, there's no need to do that. But anyway, we'll, we'll yeah we'll move on. It's okay. That. We'll take the good with the bad, just like in Voyager. Th- there you go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just she, like an Enterprise. I love Janeway. I think Janeway's awesome. You know, Rob said he didn't like Janeway. What about you? What do, what do you think? I I admire that she's a strong female captain, but yep. again, she did some really egregious stuff that I'm not okay with. Yeah, wow. All right. <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I wouldn't be her friend if that's what you're asking. Ooh, Wow. No, that's fair. That like that, I I just I love hearing it. Like I have respect for people like that. Yeah, really, I do. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I have to like them. Okay, okay, I dig it. You don't <laughs> you don't have to expand on it further if you don't want. Uh, but that's yeah, I, I I hear that. This is going to be interesting. We need to do after we watch Voyager again. I think we need to sit down and have a conversation about that. Yeah, because I, I want I want to hear I want to hear this. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, 
Um, you want to wrap a, this one up? Yeah, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, yeah, because it's not like you're going anywhere. <laughs> no, we're stuck together. We're, we are quite stuck. We're anatomically the same. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, always fantastic to have you on, Ellen. Uh, yeah, it was always, always great to be on. Yeah, always uh, tremendous insights that 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 you really bring. Um, so thank you. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, it's always fun to record with you, and sometimes you pull insights out of me that I didn't even know were there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, man, you, you hit at so many key things in this. It was awesome. So anyway, we will uh, we will wrap this up. The Star Trek conversation will continue in the future. I guarantee you that we will revisit this and you're going to be on for other episodes as well. Um, it's, it's always great when we get to have you on. So there you go, folks. There's a couple of different options as far as watching the show. Um, I know we didn't entertain Discovery or Picard, but, you know, there's plenty of people that can talk about when you should watch that and you can listen to them. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so we'll wrap this one up. More Sovereign Tech to come, and we will see all of you woo, on the other side.